Welcome back, everybody, to the Philly Experience Podcast. My name is Max Kretzula, joined, as always, by WHIPs, Tanner Gilmartin, and Sports Radio 94 WIPs. Tire Hill, gentlemen, another crazy week in sports. How are we feeling? Uh, I'm good. I, I don't have no complaints. Um, I wish I was Dak Prescott. I know that much. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, Max, this nice weather outside makes me excited for live sports again when that time comes. So Wells Fargo's opening up to fans, although the Flyers disappointed them uh, against yeah. the Capitals for that first game. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, the sports to come. Yeah, absolutely crazy. I walk out the door this morning, right? Long sleeve shirt, jeans. It's like 60 degrees outside. Man. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That is you know, blasphemous. So used to waking up for, to that 40, 45 degree weather, maybe even 30 sometimes. So it, I definitely hope this weather turns the corner sooner or later. And I hope a franchise turns the corner sooner or later, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's roll with the Jalen Hurts and Jeffrey Lurie conversation today. And obviously, Chris Mortensen's report comes out and says yesterday that Jalen Hurts, it looks like he's going to lead this franchise, at least for this season. Jeffrey Lurie throwing all the chips into the middle of the table in regard to Jalen Hurts being the quarterback of the Eagles going into 2021. So I think for me, and I know you guys probably, we've had discussions back and forth about it, but now it sounds like we have to really buy into this. What do you guys think? Oh, man. Um, Look, (laughs) I'm – I – yeah, I'm at a loss for words. Because if if it's the owner behind all these draft picks, I – I'm still pissed off at Howie. Here's the reason why I'm still I would still be pissed off at Howie because where's your backbone? If you know that these players aren't the players that are going to perform up to the standards in which that in which the position that you drafted them in, then why would you still not? Why would you not say anything to Jeffrey Lurie? Why would you not step up and say something? Why would you just stand there and just let it happen and just be a yes man? Like, I'm sorry. That's just not how any organization, whether that be, you know, a sports franchise or any business works. I'm sorry. Like, you cannot, as a CEO, surround yourself with a bunch of yes men. You can't do that. Like, you got to have somebody that thinks differently from you to bring a different mindset. And if everybody is the same way and everybody thinks like, and nobody steps up and says anything, that's a problem. Like if, if it's really true that Jeffrey Lowry is more involved in what we gave him credit for, then I have a serious problem with that and how he really needs to step up and say something and grow a backbone. If you say something like this, Please don't draft a quarterback at number six. Just make everything confusing again. Wouldn't make sense. You say Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. Go ahead and take care of the draft and free agency according to helping Jalen Hurts out, building weapons around him, building help around him because he, he's going to need a lot of help. Um, he's not going to just need weapons. He's going to need a, a better offensive line. Um, now, albeit if people start coming back healthy, He'll, of course, have more help than he did last season. But if you say Jalen Hurts is your quarterback for the future, maybe just one season in the future, then act accordingly. Don't confuse more people. Don't have another controversy. This is not what that team needs um, at all. So if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback, then act like it. On that note, I agree with you. Act like it. Act like you know Jalen Hurts is going to be your quarterback. My whole thing was, why would you release that rumor? Why would that? Why would you allow that rumor to come out? Like, if anything, don't you want to kind of leave who you're going to pick 
you know, a little bit of a mystery, you know, not necessarily revealing your hand. At least that's what good poker players do when they play poker. You're not going to tell the guy, oh, yeah, I've got a straight flush. No, you're not going to do that. All right? <laughs> you're going to kind of play, going to kind of play with them a little bit and kind of fake them out. Don't tell them your strategy. That's stupid. That was just that that for me, that was asinine that that came out this week. Well, well, T, I don't think you can predict. I, I think teams know this by now. The last three seasons, especially, you can't predict what the Eagles are going to do um, at the draft. <laughs> I think um, that'll work with them. And in fact, that people aren't going to be able to to um, know what the Eagles are going to do until draft day, until they get that number six um, overall draft pick. In, and I still am not sure which way they're going. Yeah. You know, I'm just happy we might have – finally a path where Jeffrey Lurie comes out and says, this is what we're going to do. Now, again, with based on the Eagles track record, especially recently, we can't go all in on what they say, especially because of a few lies and key lies that they've said to the Philadelphia fan base recently. But for me, at least now it sounds like if this is the direction they're going, we can finally buy into it as far as knowing what they're going to do, at least at the quarterback position, because now we can turn the table and we've talked a lot about the draft and think about other positions of need specifically the cornerback position or the wide receiver position, we talk about wanting to put weapons around Jalen Hurts. But at the same time, that back end of the defense is hurting as well. So if you were to look just at these two key positions, I think we can all agree that neither position or player that we take at those positions in the draft will be a bad choice. But do you have a preference over one position or the other? I know we talked about a lot of players, but we haven't really mentioned the specific positions versus the other. So if we go wide receiver or corner, what do you think's you know more important, and what would you rather have on this team? So, just judging by the draft board, a, a, a custom draft board that I'm putting together myself, and that I'm going to release, you know, pretty soon, and you know, talk about some of these prospects coming out of the draft. There's more, there's more stock where we're at at the wide receivers position than it is defensive back. Now, if you want a defensive back, then you can move back, get some more, um, get some more draft picks, and draft a defensive back. But at the position you're at. You're better off drafting a wide receiver because I do think that there is going to be a run at these quarterbacks. Now, <laughs> my thing is this. I don't agree with the run. I think the only guaranteed bona fide stud in this draft at quarterback is Trevor Lawrence, and everybody else is really just a crapshoot. But, you know, teams value quarterbacks more than any other position, of course. So there, I think there's going to be a run at these quarterbacks. There's good. Somebody's going to draft Zach Wilson. Somebody's going to draft Justin Fields high. Somebody's going to draft Trey Lance high. And all three of those guys really are projects. You know, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, call those guys guaranteed, you know, top five picks, but because they're quarterbacks, like I just said, they're going to be picked high. But in terms of the Eagles, you might want to, and I think they will get an opportunity to, you need to draft one of those playmakers at wide receiver, either Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. The wide receiver position is more in need uh, of improvement right now than the cornerback position. And I say that because you have wide receivers who have not proven themselves yet with Raker. Um, and you don't have that for sure guy. At cornerback, we have Darius Slay. All right, that, that's, of course, he's not the one-man show that we're going to see back there this team's going to improve that somehow whether it's free agency maybe uh there's a few guys out there that have not been franchise tagged so they will become free agents but for me you have to as t was mentioning with, with the talent that's out there right now 
uh, you have to go with the wide receiver position. You have to go for best available. If you want to help out Jalen Hurts in any way possible, you have to go for best available player in the draft. I think for me, one of the things I've stated multiple times is just the open mind to taking a quarterback. And now that Jeffrey Lurie came out and finally said, we're sticking with Jalen Hurts, I can stop spewing my nonsense and having you guys get pissed at me. So I think that's <laughs> thank you a positive we can all we can all agree with, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh no! <laughs> so so you won't hear any of those hot takes, I guess, anymore, which could be a good or bad thing for the audience, depending on what your mindset is. But I think overall, you know, I had to go back and look at those Jalen Hurts highlights. You know, once this Snape report came out, like, all right, now I got to get back on the Jalen Hurts hype train. And uh, listen, the thing that concerns me is just the passer rating. And I know we make up the the talk about the offensive line and, and the receivers being weak. But, again, a 1-3 record in four starts. Passer rating below Carson Wentz's in Wentz's 10 or 12 games started, whatever it was, for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. And he did throw for over 1,000 yards. A, a touchdown to interception ratio. He had six touchdown passes, and he had four interceptions. But the thing we probably overlook, I, I know we don't, but but maybe the general fan would, is, is the ability with his legs, being able to score rushing touchdowns. Uh, consistently, too, obviously against Washington in that final game of the season, the tank game that we'll all remember, and all the, and again against the Arizona Cardinals as well. But again, still being able to scramble out even when he stepped in against Green Bay and you know make plays with his legs down the field uh, against the Saints as well. Even so, I think that's where I can have some confidence with. But at the same time, we, we all want to take that pause because the stats don't lie. So. I know we can't buy fully into the stats, but where is your confidence level with Hertz as a player? Not not as the team, right? Because we can't control what the what the ownership's going to do as far as drafting players, putting players around Hertz. But as far as just Hertz's talent level in itself, do you think he has the capabilities of being one of the top, you know, twelve quarterbacks in the league one day and, and the upside for that as well? I mean the little bit that he's shown us thus far, like you like you mentioned the Saints game and even the loss against, you know, Arizona, you know, I did see the potential there if he's willing to put the work in. And as you've seen in the offseason, he has. You know, he's worked with you he's working with a quarterback coach right now. He's reportedly called, you know, for lack of a better term, the Eagles right receivers to Texas to go work out with them. So he's doing all the right things that you're supposed to do as a quarterback and as the supposed franchise quarterback. So, you know, just based off his actions and the little bit of tape that we have on him, the potential is there. It's just, you know, is this team going to be able to put him in a position where he can succeed? Unlike what you did to Carson. All right, I know I've attacked Carson on these airwaves. I've attacked Carson on the FM where airwaves as well. All right, but the one thing that I will hold this organization for again for in terms of Carson Wentz was the fact that you didn't really put any weapons around him. Now, his play was horrible, don't get me wrong, but the organization itself did not put weapons around him for Carson Wentz to succeed in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So don't do to Jalen Hurts what you did to Carson Wentz, all right? Give this kid every possible chance that he can to prove himself and to prove that he's worthy to be a quarterback in the NFL. To be honest with you, T, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to get as much as an opportunity mm-hmm. as Carson Wentz did. Carson Wentz is drafted. Um, there, there's talk about you know, he's injury-prone. People are giving him chance after chance, and the Eagles, they, they give him a contract worth a lot of money for a quarterback that should be – playing at a top level top seven quarterback uh with the contract that he was given and he just didn't prove anything he got injured um another quarterback took his team to the super bowl 
Uh, that, that's just the storyline for Carson Wentz. The situation in Philadelphia was just not for him, whether he, whether it was the Philadelphia atmosphere, which I don't think it was. I, I think it was more of a mental um, for, for Carson Wentz and, and the games that were being played between him and Howie Roseman and the organization as a whole. Now, Jalen Hurts is getting an opportunity to be a starter, and he knows that. But I think fans want this team to turn around almost immediately. We know how Philadelphia fans are. Uh, They want this team back in the playoffs after missing it for just that one year. And we look back to seven years ago and how different this team even was from then. Um, More successful, so. But Jalen Hurts, and I want to read a a quote from Jalen Hurts. It's, I think it was just an opportunity for me. I think it shows the trust and what they think I can be as a player, so I want to prove them right. Don't mess that up, Eagles. Do not lose the trust of your now quarterback. All right, go out in the draft. Draft good players. Talk to Jalen Hurts about who you're drafting. Um, Like, Go back to when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. I don't think really the Eagles talked to Carson Wentz. Now it's now they went back and forth. At first they told us it was, but I don't remember Carson Wentz really going immediately out and saying congratulations, Jalen Hurts. It took a minute. Um, it took a minute. It took him a little bit. Uh, so this situation needs to be handled gently. The, the Eagles need to take care of this situation. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts is a guy that can lead a team, and I don't want to look back at the interceptions. He, I, I hope I don't regret this, but I'm not worried about the interceptions from his rookie season. Four interceptions, two were against the Cowboys. Um, and I, that's on mental mistake as well. He doesn't know exactly. He hasn't learned the plays down to that he knows exactly where everyone should be. Uh, hopefully that will change in this, in this second season. Um, these are rookie mistakes that will be made by a rookie. I wish we saw him in more games. I wish it was more evenly um, contributed to, you know, it, it, Carson Wentz played this amount of games and Jalen Hurts only played this amount of games and you compare their stats completion-wise, it's hard to do because uh, this is a rookie quarterback and you want to be able to see more of what he can do. Now, Jalen Hurts brings mobility to the Eagles offense more so than we saw with Carson Wentz the past two years because of his injury. Uh, he brings accountability definitely to this team yes. that needs accountability. You saw a quarterback that was sort of hiding uh, when they, when the game wasn't being played and Jalen Hurts steps right up. He says what needs to be better and he gets right to the point. And that's exactly what we need as a quarterback, especially in Philadelphia. And I think Jalen Hurts can do a good job depending on how the Eagles take care of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of great points there, Tanner. And I also want to mention real quickly the fact that Jalen Hurts was pressing a little bit in those games with the interceptions, so I don't want to inflate those stats. Obviously, a couple of those interceptions against Dallas late in that game, trying to force a few things that aren't there. Green Bay, that tipped interception uh, when his first came in, when he first came into the game, and that wasn't a start. We know that, but still, um, it's, it shows up in the stat sheet as an interception. But again, you got to watch the gameplay, of course. Now, I want to mention the fact that Brandon Brooks is now on the trade block and Zach Ertz, we know he was on the trade block, even dating back to last season at that trade deadline. And he might have been traded if he wasn't on the IR at the time with that injury that he suffered last year. So I know that we kind of expected Zach Ertz to be gone, Wentz even as well. We saw with Kelsey and Ertz and Wentz at the end of the season, all staying at around one o'clock in the morning at the link, talking on the field. So when you guys look at 
Ertz being traded. I think we can all agree we're not surprised by it. But I'm surprised about Brandon Brooks being traded until this morning when we hear about Trent Brown going from the Las Vegas Raiders to the New England Patriots mm-hmm. for, I believe it was a fifth-round pick, which is pretty crazy considering the Eagles are looking to trade one of their offensive linemen and Brandon Brooks as well. And I hope that if they do it, they get a little bit more than a fifth-round pick. And I think for me, I don't want to trade Brandon Brooks because we talked about needing to surround Hurts with you know talent and protection and Brooks being one of the better guards over the past five years in the NFL, losing him would certainly not help that case for Jalen Hurts to be successful. I agree with you wholeheartedly um, about Brandon Brooks and it, everything that you just said. Um, now, the only thing I'm in disagreement with was, is the fact that you said you hope you're going to get more than a fifth-round pick for Brandon Brooks. The reality is this. All right, Brandon Brooks has had multiple injuries. All right, he is on the he's on the wrong side of thirty. All right, I think he's about thirty two, thirty three years old now, and you know those injuries catching up. I, I I don't see a scenario where the Philadelphia Eagles can get anything higher than a fourth. I, I truly don't. And getting a fourth would be will probably be very generous. All right, you're talking about now. Yes, he, he's a pro bowler. You can arguably say he's one of the best guards in the NFL. All right, with him and Lane Johnson anchoring that right side, that right side, you know, is going to be solid. And trust me when I say this, I definitely don't want Brandon Brooks gone. Now, here's the, here's the thing that makes him expendable, though. All right, the guards that you know were in play, you know, Nate Herbig and also Jack Driscoll when when they played. All right, they did a pretty solid job. And it's not to say, no, of course, they're not Brandon Brooks. All right, Brandon Brooks is a, a man amongst himself, but they did a solid job in coming in for him while he was hurt. So the reality is, and also with the cap situation, that you, you're going to have to start getting rid of these old guys. So unfortunately, I think Brandon Brooks is going to go. Um, you're probably not going to get a whole lot for him. So I'll, I'm just preparing everybody for that you're not going to get a whole lot from brandon brooks i'm sorry with his age and everything else you're just not so people need to accept that but you know the people the the guards that they have behind him i do think you know they can step up and get the job done are they going to be world beaters i don't necessarily think so but i think that the guards that they do have behind brandon brooks and the guards that did play and step up i think they did a really solid job It's going to be hard uh, for this team to really build back if you let a guy like Brandon Brooks go with a team in the depth that we have at guard. I'm not sold on it, uh, to tell you the truth, but I also haven't seen a lot from Brooks uh, from the standpoint on the field um, for the past two seasons, I believe. Uh, last season, he struggled with it, um, so, some mental reasons that he was taken off the field. Yep. Um, yeah, this season, it was uh, it was more of an injury. Uh, physically but you go to around the team as a whole and you have I mentioned earlier how we're all right at the cornerback position saying that wide receiver is more so important for the draft I said that because Darius Slay but then you go back to Darius Slay's contract he's the Eagles restructured it I believe it was at his cap hit would have been 17 Point five million. Now it's six, seven, six, seven, six seven, yeah, point two million, yeah, uh, around there, and that's then we look at his contract going forward to the future, and you have, I I have it right here. It's his cap hit. We already mentioned in twenty twenty one, it's seven mil. Then twenty twenty two, it goes up sixteen, and then up again twenty two, 
and then it goes back down to 17. But in 2023, 23 million. Um, and this is a kind of contract that you would move before, obviously, it gets to that 2023 contract. So if the Eagles are, once again, not good this season, a lot more players, this team is going to be a shell um, next season, especially. So you need to get everything you can from a valuable asset that you trade away, like Brooks. I think we can get more, depending on the package that's put together, than we did so in the Carson Wentz trade. And that's really what this team needs. Future, if you're going with future, if you're picking Jalen Hurts as a starter, now's the time to start making that shift. Now you have guys at the end of their career. Maybe you wait until more of those guys are gone to start future. But in the meantime, you get as many draft picks as you can uh, for to build your future around this quarterback that you said you would do so with. Now, before you start, Max, um, just real quick on Zach Ertz, look, and there's also, you know, some word coming out that, you know, he would rather be released than traded because then he'll have the power to choose where he wants to choose. Look, I respect Zach Ertz and what he did. I think he I think he's a Hall of Fame tight end at the end of the day. I do. But look, here's the thing. At the end of the day, this is a business. OK, you need to make a business decision. I'm not saying not to have any kind of discussion with Zach Ertz. All right. About where he wants to go. Maybe you can kind of work out, you know. Whatever team he wants to go to, maybe you same thing you did for Carson Wentz. You can kind of work out with the team. You know, maybe we can get a package deal or something for him. But to to give Zach Ertz like that much credit and not get anything for him, like I'm sorry, like this is a business at the end of the day. You need as many assets as possible. Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree with you. I think, like I like I mentioned, I think Zach Ertz being traded wouldn't be surprise us, and I think. The Ravens have been interested, especially last year at the trade deadline. They inquired about Zach Ertz and making a trade for him. I heard a couple of rumors about the Chargers possibly. Uh, I know they have Hunter Henry in there, but they're also looking to add uh, another tight end, and Zach Ertz would be a name that they would consider. So when you look at the cornerback position versus the wide receiver position, do you guys look at it as a possibility to trade back if the Eagles are going to take a cornerback? Or do you look at it where you have to see what kind of depth is in the second, maybe third round, and base your decision in the first round off of that? If you have a better opportunity to draft a cornerback, maybe in the second round that you're still very high on, and maybe you think you can get in the second round, does that automatically change your opinion and say, okay, we're going to take our receiver in the first round that we like, come back and grab that corner, or vice versa? Yeah, it really all depends on what you do in the first round. If you value, if you think that you know you're not going to get as good a value at cornerback in the first round as you are a second round, then yeah, then yeah, you would obviously draft a cornerback. You would trade back. You would draft a corner, and you would you know take your chances on drafting a receiver in the second or third round. Now you you run that risk, <laughs> of course, you know not grabbing one of these awesome playmakers at the position that you're at. But you know, if, if the draft, if that's what your draft board calls for it, I, I don't think it should just based off of the film I've watched, but Hey, I'm, I'm just an amateur scout. What, what do I know? But yeah, it really all depends on how, how this team views their position. I think you, if you're going to help out Jalen hurts and you need to help him out as, as much as possible. And that's at the right receiver position. Because you know you've messed up big time over the past two, three years at that position. That's a position that you really need to address if you're going to help your quarterback out. Yeah, T, I'm definitely on the wide receiver drafting train. Um, but I think also has to do with who the E are able to get with the draft. Now, they're not going to be able to do a lot in free agency. Uh, I just saw a couple minutes ago Kenny 
uh, Galladay is actually a free agent now, mm-hmm. but he's gonna. That's that's gonna be a lot of money. He's not gonna come to the Eagles um, unless something something really crazy happens. But it, it's gonna be involved with who we get in the trade if we're trading these guys. Who comes with them? Um, it, does the wide receiver position improve at all in free agency? I don't think there's going to be that much of a chance for the Eagles. I'm still going with wide receiver in the draft unless something crazy happens and the Eagles are good enough that the cornerback position becomes more of a concern. Right. Yeah, I know as fans, we all want that sexy name to come in in a big-time trade. And I know this time last year, maybe a little bit later down the road, actually, we got Darius Slay. But now you have to look at just being able to cut cap space. That's a big point of emphasis for this team, cutting cap space and being able to clear out uh, a lot of room uh, contract-wise for players and get back, you know, at least out of cap hell, so to speak. So one thing I want to mention here that we haven't touched on yet is Nick Sirianni. And every time this guy talks, people rip him. It's like he he's not prepared. He stutters a lot. He doesn't really, you know, he falls over his words and things like that. So people are saying he has no shot here in Philadelphia. At the end of the day, we all know it comes down to wins and losses. But do you have any confidence that Nick Sirianni will be able to lead this team based off of what you've heard or seen from him so far? Look, people, not everybody is a very confident um, public speaker, all right? It, it takes it takes a lot of confidence to speak in front of people. All right, when Doug Peterson first got here, all right, he sucked in front of the microphone, if everybody remembers. All right, look, you can't you can't count his football intelligence based off of what he says in front of the media. You just can't do it. Look, people, give him a chance. Now you're just nitpicking, all right? We don't know what kind of scheme he's going to come in with. You don't know how... If he has the type of scheme that he can scheme guys open, if he can make a certain position looks better, you don't know what his what his run to pass ratio is going to be. Guys, give him a shot. Stop nitpicking at this point, please. Just give him a shot. Not everyone's great at public speaking. Um, he, he's a football coach first. You got to remember that. But I'll tell you what: if he doesn't start off strong in this season, he's got no chance to recover in a city like Philadelphia, it's going to be very hard. And especially if you go out there and fumble your words, uh, you're going to have memes. You're going to have media sources around you. It's going to be very hard (laughs) to find that shovel to even dig yourself out of that hole in Philadelphia. We've seen it before. And by the way it looks, I'm giving him a chance. I'm waiting until the season starts. But it looks like he's going to have a hard time uh, in front of this Philadelphia media. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think we have seen him, and and even in his press conferences, specifically early on in his tenure as an Eagles coach, let's not even forget about the possible press conferences and how he would sound after a loss or a win. I mean, after a loss, we saw Doug Peterson get ripped and ripped, and I thought Doug Peterson was pretty solid uh, in front of the microphone and not throwing any players under the bus and things like that. Nick Sirianni, on the other hand, I'm not too confident about, but again, that remains to be seen. One thing I want to bring up here, is the running back gore. And I think we we look a lot at Miles Sanders to lead the backfield this upcoming season. But in my opinion, with Nick Sirianni as his first year as head coach, Jalen Hurts as a mobile quarterback being able to run and not too many weapons on the outside right now, especially with the possibility of trading Zach Hurts, this team might be a little run heavy. Do you look at maybe a possible running back in this draft to be able to snag and maybe have, you know, paired with Miles Sanders? I don't know with, with Boston Scott yet if he's going to, still see a significant role. I'm not too sure, but I think the 
team as a whole could benefit adding another running back to the running back room. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you, especially, you know, with the type of running style that Miles Sanders and Boston Scott is, you would really strongly benefit from drafting a guy who's more or less a power back, more or less a north-south guy. And, you know, you you, you kind of do need to create that balance, that lightning and thunder thing, you know, in the backfield. So I, I definitely am not against drafting a running back in in the draft. Um you can also probably pick one up also via um, free agency um, and draft a free agency as uh, as well. So look, it, you need another run. I would definitely agree with getting another running back. I do think Miles Sanders has the ability to prove himself to be the bell cow back. However, getting somebody to balance everybody out, balance that East West, you know, juking type of running style and, you know, balancing it with that North South power back running back guy, I think will definitely benefit the backfield, especially if you're going to go run heavy. Now, this is interesting because I don't think the Eagles should draft a running back before the fourth round. Um, I think there's more positions that that need to be drafted. Definitely. Uh, and you have the story of Deuce Staley, not in Philadelphia anymore. How is Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, how are they going to bond as sort of a running back duo without their guy that they that that's all they've known? Right. Uh, especially Miles Sanders, he comes in for his rookie year, and and there's Deuce Staley. Um, I'm, I don't know too much about this offensive staff right now. I don't think any of us know – a lot about these guys and we'll figure it out as the season goes, how they work with their players and, and really the work ethic that they, that they put forth uh, for these, uh, for these running backs. And I think right now uh, I think it would, it would help to add another running back of course to depth, but there's, there's plenty of other positions in power. And I think Miles Sanders, I think he can prove a lot more this season. And also no money to spend, so let's uh, factor that into yeah. things because no yes. free agent, at least big-time names, will be coming to Philadelphia this offseason unless some sort of trades in the works that we don't know about. But we'll see about that. I think the running back position is an interesting thing because Doug Peterson, we've seen for his tenure in an Eagle you know, role as head coach, is the fact that he likes to rotate running backs. And we have never seen a guy come in and be the bell cow running back Corey Clement, Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, the names go on and on. Even Boston Scott and Miles Sanders were kind of paired last season, even though Miles Sanders missed a few games. This year, I'm interested to see if through the draft or maybe a, a low-end free agent target to bring in here as kind of a bruiser would be you know, necessary. But I'm interested to see if Nick Sirianni gives the keys to Miles Sanders as the bell cow. You look at last season where Sirianni was in Indianapolis. Early on in that season, it looked like Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack were going to be a combination of a passing game, running game. Then he Marlon Mack tears his Achilles week one against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, like Jonathan Taylor needs to step up. And he was the lead guy the rest of the season. I think finished top five, maybe top six in fantasy football for those of you out there who follow that. But I am interested to see if Miles Sanders is able to take over and be able to get, you know, 20 to 25 carries a game, not run him into the ground like we've seen the Cowboys do with Ezekiel Elliott, especially last season. I know Dak Prescott gets hurt, and that's a subject we'll get to in a minute with that new contract. But Zeke, I mean, he didn't look like his normal self last season after Prescott got hurt. He, he didn't get, you know, 100 yards too many times. He didn't score as many rushing touchdowns. So I'm, I'm just I'm concerned, but I'm optimistic at the same time because I don't want him to push Sanders too much. But I think he's definitely shown capabilities and flashes of giving you more than what he's shown so far. I don't know if you guys would agree with that. 
Oh, yeah, I could definitely agree with that, especially about, you know, making him the bell cow and what that can result in. It It's probably the reason why Doug Peterson did, you know, implement a a, um, a running back rotation per se. Per se. And it, it definitely benefits the running back because, look, it, running backs are running backs are so common now. Like teams, teams toss running backs to the side, like after after they get drafted, they run them to the ground for the first four or five years, and then they get rid of them. All right, they're nothing at that point. And it, it, it's the reality of the NFL today, especially considering that the NFL is pass happy. So you, you kind of need to do everything in your power to kind of protect these guys and, you know, kind of prolong their careers a little bit. Yeah, with now we mentioned Jalen Hurts uh, becoming the starter. Uh, so the Eagles say, and you have Miles Sanders, of course, back there at running back. There's going to be a lot of RPO plays, run pass option plays, and it's going to be it's going to give Miles Sanders maybe more of an opportunity, uh, as we mentioned, with uh, the switching back and forth between running backs. So I do think that Miles Sanders was leaving a bunch of stuff in the tank that he has yet to show. But I think it's getting late. What? Why have we had Miles Sanders on the team for this many years and we still are unsure uh, of his potential in a way where, of course, his, his rookie year was impressive. I thought he was going to win rookie of the year, um, but that did not happen because Josh Jacobs, right? It was uh, was the rookie of the year, I, I believe. Yeah, running I think back so. Yeah. Offensive. Yeah. Yep. And um so I still I think there's a lot of people not sold on Miles Sanders, and I think that'll change whether it's good or bad after the next season. Max raises his hand because he's not sold, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm listen, Max. I'm not mad at that opinion because I'm. However, I'm sold on Miles Sanders. I understand why there there's a lack of people really on the Miles Sanders train. Yeah, and uh, listen, some of it's not his fault because we mentioned Doug Peterson likes to rotate running backs, but. The thing I like about Miles Sanders this year, even though I've not sold on him, is the fact that he's in a contract year. So he's probably going to give you a little bit more, you know, effort. Maybe try to fight through a little bit more pain if he's banged up and injured. So we'll see. I just want him to be able to stay out there, stay healthy. In regards to the running backs as a as a group, Zeke Elliott has been one of those guys that you know he's defied the odds. You look at these running backs, and he's he had like over a thousand yards rushing, what four straight seasons. We don't see that too many times yep. uh, anymore in the NFL. You look at Melvin Gordon, the guy who the Chargers ran right into the ground, and he just looks a shell of himself out there uh, in Denver last season. So that remains to be seen. But we have to flip the switch here and talk about Dak Prescott's contract. Man. And a lot of Eagles fans reacting to this. Four years, $160 million. I'll throw it to Tanner, the stats man, to give you the more details in a second. But when you look at Dak Prescott coming off that terrible injury, his ankle and his sideways. Jerry Jones investing all this money into him. Dak Prescott gave him credit betting on himself and coming through with that big contract. But as an Eagles fans, there's been mixed reactions in the city. Some people say oh, Dak Prescott's you know, a top eight, maybe seven quarterback in this league. We have to be mindful of that. Or at the same time, did they overspend for him? Because we have firsthand experience of overpaying for a quarterback in Carson Wentz. And I think they gave him over $120 million plus guaranteed. So when you heard this news go down, what side of the coin were you on? So, <laughs> first and foremost, okay, <laughs> Jerry, hey, Jerry Jones, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you. You get a roaring round of applause from me, a roaring round of applause from me. All right. <laughs> I think I think the audience knows what side of the coin T's on now. <laughs> look, look, man, look, you give Dak, look, don't get me wrong, all right, Dak Prescott is a solid quarterback, all right, and they desperately needed him this past season after his injury, all right, it, it was a mistake to prolong it, you know, this long, however, 
Dak Prescott should not have gotten that much doggone money. Like, I don't understand. I I don't understand how why all this money is going to these above average quarterbacks. Not these elite quarterbacks, mind you, but the above average quarterbacks. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I am pissed off. Like it irritates me. It truly does. Look, Dak Prescott. What? How many times has the Cowboys been to the playoffs? What during the tenure, Dak Prescott? Well, maybe two, three times out of his what six years that he's been there. So look, man. Come on. And then here's the thing that gets me the most. Okay, that I've been an advocate for Dak Prescott and any other and any other player in the NFL getting their money because on any play, you can lose your career. Period point blank. So go ahead and get your money. I ain't mad at you. However, quarterbacks, what I don't want to start hearing and complaining is when your team can't build a team around you and they can't put pieces around you because you take up most of the damn cap. All right, let's think about the Cowboys cap for a second. They just paid Dak Prescott. All right, you're still paying Ezekiel Elliott, which has been a huge mistake because you should not give a running back that much damn money. Amari Cooper is an above average right receiver in which they've paid. They still got Demarcus Lawrence on, on their cap as well. They have all these huge, big contracts that they have to pay these players for a number of years. And how are you going to be able to compete in this NFC East? You should honestly, the Cowboys should be in a position where they should be able to dominate the NFC East, but they can't. And they won't be able to because of how much money they've allocated into these couple of players. So basically with this contract, the Cowboys basically screwed themselves. I'm trying to put my Cowboys bias to the side (laughs) real quick. And I just want to get into this contract. Now, at first, I want to lead this with saying congratulations to Dak Prescott. He won the two-year saga between himself and the organization that he went to two playoffs with in his four years, right? And so Dak Prescott, he gets this contract four years, $160 million. And it can be as much as $164 million, uh, depending on his play and how the team ends up. And he gets $126 million guaranteed from his contract. That's higher than Tony Romo got. Yep. All right. And so he went from being the most underpaid quarterback to one of the highest paid quarterback. This is the richest contract in Dallas Cowboys franchise history. He deserves it in a way that he's done what needed to be done with the Cowboys. Now, he didn't do Patrick Mahomes-type level performance, of course, and I'm glad. All right. Uh, I'm really glad. Um, From an Eagles standpoint, this puts pressure on the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Um, Dak Prescott, now, he has a lot of pressure, too. Don't get me wrong. Dak Prescott goes from a rookie who has to prove himself drafted, what, fourth round? Fourth round. Um, And now, if he just wins 10 games, he's impressive, and he was a steal for the Cowboys. Now he goes from now $160 million contract for four years. He has a lot more to prove to this fan base, especially. You go to the Eagles now who are just setting their sights on maybe they're decided on who the quarterback is for the Eagles. But other than that, you have Daniel Jones, who's digressed. Um, Really, he hasn't proved himself, in my opinion. Now, I'm not a Giants fan. I don't know what they're thinking, and I'm glad I'm not a Giants fan, by the way. And you go to the Washington football team, 
who might go for either that interests them in the playoffs. This is the Cowboys show now. Um, as much as I hate to admit it, the Cowboys are set to win the division for the next three years at least. It's supposed to. Um, and it really depends on how Dak Prescott can go. And I think this is a win for quarterbacks all throughout the league, and this is a major loss for teams. Seeing that this guy held out, this team franchise tagged him, and it's been a two-year drama, and the quarterback finally wins, that's going to have to do with a lot more contracts in the future with quarterbacks. Now you look at Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. It's going to drastically affect the way that they get things done, and it's going to affect a lot of teams' futures. Not to mention the fact that, real quick, he, he first off, he has a no-trade clause in his contract, and also... At the end of the four years, once his contract is up, the Dallas Cowboys are not allowed to franchise tag him. Dak Prescott, guys, this is a guy we're talking about last season, and I'm not turning this into the Dak Prescott show by any means, but he was setting some crazy offensive numbers last season before he got hurt. I mean, he was really lighting it up. Nine touchdown passes, less than five games played. He had near 2,000 yards in less than five games played as well, obviously getting that injury against the Giants. But he definitely deserved this contract. And I think you look at it, and, and of course, as Eagles fans, we want to compare it to Carson Wentz's, I think, $107 million guaranteed. Dak Prescott got more than that. Four-year contract. we got to rem- remember, Dak Prescott's 28 years old. He's going to be 32, yep. $160 million under his belt. And he's going to be looking for a new contract. And, and he could very well get something more than that, depending on how his play is. So this guy we can be talking about in 10 years is a very, very rich man. But... I think Tanner and T, obviously opposite sides here. I think T, you like the deal because you overpaid for a quarterback in your opinion. Tanner, obviously being cautious of the Eagles and having uh, knowing Dak Prescott's talents and having to play him twice a year in the division. For me, I'm a, I think I'm on Tanner's side here because I know Dak Prescott's a solid quarterback. I get the overpaying for him, but at the end of the day, who else do the Cowboys get? You look at next season, it, they don't, they're not up there high enough unless they trade up to get you know one of those top-tier quarterbacks in this year's draft. And Sam Howe, really the only big name coming out next year from North Carolina in, in, as a quarterback in next year's draft. So I think they had to make this deal done. Now, did they shoot themselves in the foot by not paying him You know, two years earlier? Probably. But at the end of the day, the Cowboys were going to win this division last year if Dak Prescott didn't get hurt. And I can stamp that here and feel 100% confident with that statement. Um, and obviously watching the football team getting in because of the fact that Prescott got hurt. But I'm scared in the fact that the Cowboys, who are rumored to be very interested in Kyle Pitts, could have a core of Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke Elliott, Kyle Pitts, a healthy Dak Prescott. And when Michael Gallup, I believe, is your fourth guy on the team, it's a scary offense. Now, we all know the Cowboys' defense is terrible. And I know, T, you're chomping at the bit to make a counterpoint here, and I'm going to give it to you in a second. But if that Cowboys defense gets figured out, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm very nervous because we're not close to the talent level that the Cowboys have right now on paper. And it remains to be seen. The big question, will Dak Prescott come back 100% healthy? They say he is. Obviously, they wouldn't have paid him $160 million if there was question marks about his health. So that's where I stand, and that's where my concern lies with the Dak Prescott contract. All right, so here's the thing, because I just pulled up the Dallas Cowboys, um, their cap situation, and, of course, it updated with Dak Prescott's contract. Now, here's the thing. 
this is their cap hit going into in, into this coming year. Listen to this. DeMarcus Lawrence, all right? His contract is going to command $25 million. All right? That's that's close to 12% of your cap right there. And then 10.5% of your contract now goes to Dak Prescott at $22.2 million. Next up, Amari Cooper, $22 million. That's a little over 10%. Zach Martin, all right, 17, a little over 17 million. That's 8% of your cap. Tyron Smith, who really looked like a shell of his former self this past season and was really riddled with injuries, 14, a little over 14 million uh, against your cap. See, it, it sounds like you better be good at math, see, because it sounds like you're adding up a lot of stats here. What I'm, what my point is, they put themselves in cap hell, all right? After paying all your major, all all this money towards these major players, and the, and the cap's only going to go, I'm sorry, the, these numbers are only going to go up as the years go on. Of course they do. The Cal, Dallas Cowboys put themselves in a position where if they don't win now, if they don't win within the next two years, they're not going to win at all. They're not going to win anything because you're not going to be able to sign everybody after you signed all these contracts. And look, now you brought up some of the future players, all right? You still got Anthony Brown eventually, his contract going to be up, all right? You still got Leighton Vander Esch, all right? Houston under his rookie deal. Rookie deal. CeeDee Lamb, all right, in about, in, in about three, four years is going to want a new contract. Michael Gallup's going to want a new contract too. You've put yourself in cap hell to, you, to where you're not going to be able to sign those impact guys. That's all I'm trying to say. Dallas Cowboys made a mistake throwing this much money, allocating this much money to these players, not just Dak Prescott, but to the rest of these players as well, putting themselves in a situation where they really should be dominating the NFC East because their talent is young. It's very good. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to deny or lie about that. You, you put yourself in a situation where if you don't win now, you're done. You're not going to be able to compete in this RAS division. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think you're trying to make yourself feel a little better. Um, I'm looking at this contract now, T. I'm looking at how this Eagles team is not an actual team yet. They're not built. They haven't played with their quarterback. They haven't played with a lot of the guys that they're going to see on this team for the next season, the next season to come. And you're going to be missing a lot of guys. The Eagles are in a worse position right now, T. I don't care about if you're talking about what's going to happen in three years when when, – when CD lamb isn't a rookie anymore on his rookie contract anymore. I don't care because they have a better team right now. And I don't want the Cowboys to sweep us this season. T that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about this season coming up. We're talking about how Jalen hurts is going to be quarterback. Um, you can bring up, uh, you, you can go talk to the Cowboys accountant for all I care. I don't care <laughs> what the cap hit looks like in two years. I care about whether the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl because then I'll go hide under a rock. I care about now, T. I care about how this Eagles team is going to recover, rebuild, and beat the Dallas Cowboys for years and years and years to come. I am pissed off. And I I think we're we're on the same page there, uh, Tanner. It's it's not ideal. And, T, you got to remember, they already lost one of those big guys uh, due to money constraints, and that is Byron Jones, who we forget about last season because he was down there in Miami. They didn't have enough money to pay him, so so that's one guy out the door already. So I definitely see that argument. But again, two, three, four years down the road, that's still a long time away. I mean, we got to play them about six times before that comes around. Oh, if we go true. 0-6, man, we we are we are in trouble if we go 0-6. And, and especially 
you know how the fans would react around town. Listen, if guys, Eagles go zero and six against the Cowboys. All that is true. Now, all everything that you guys said is true. It is very true. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys are in a position where they can win now. But let's be honest here: has history said that they're going to win? Absolutely not. All right, who whoever would have thought that the Washington Football Team would have won a division? Nobody. All right, you couldn't pay <laughs> if you'd have told me to put all my money that I would earn in 2020 on the fact that. The Washington football team would come out the division winners. I'd slap you straight up because you're stupid. <laughs> the NFC East is really unpredictable, guys. And all I'm trying to say is within the next, let's say, season or two, I think the Philadelphia Eagles will put themselves in a better position, should be in a better position where they can finally start making some noise again, not just in the NFC East, but in the NFC Conference as well. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys kind of strapped themselves to where – if they don't win now, then they're done. It, they're not going to have any money to sign anybody. That's all the point I was trying to make. I, I would trade. I would trade the Eagles' position for the Cowboys' position in a snap of the fingers right now. See, that's all I got to say. The Dallas I mean, Cowboys. Look. The Dallas Cowboys situation is the same. They're going to walk into the same situation we're in now. Cap hell because you overpaid for players. They. Put, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, we're, even if Jalen Hurts is the real deal, there's still like eleven other holes on the Eagles' team that needs to be filled. Dak Prescott now, basically, the Cowboys on paper should walk to the division title for the next two years. Oh, by the way, that means host a home playoff game. And now he's in the driver's seat to you win a couple games, you're going to the Super Bowl. A little luck on his side, who knows? That's where my concern lies because you got the Washington football team who doesn't even know who their quarterback is going to be. They, they might even invest in the guy who had a one-hit wonder against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that Henneke guy last season. Who knows? you got the that Giants, who are, who are one of the worst organizations in football. Uh, Saquon Barkley coming back uh, off of that ACL. Daniel Jones, he's going to be remembered for tripping over himself at the 10-yard line the rest of his career against the Eagles. So when you look at all these ridiculous and meme teams, you know, how many memes have come out about the NFC East last year? We saw on Instagram every Sunday ridiculous memes. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, they're going to the division title for the I'm next not, two years, in I'm my not, opinion. And I'm not doubting that. I'm and not doubting it, it, Obviously, they have to stay healthy, of course, but... That's, of course, the concern. And that's why I think, you know, Tanner getting a little passionate there, obviously, because I think he's, <laughs> he's foreseeing uh, in the future what this, uh, this division could look like. It's funny to me, this too. Cowboys team, they're going to crab walk to the division title, Max. It's not even going to be a challenge uh, as of right now. And I hope it is. But you mentioned this is a, we mentioned it, it's in the future, T's talking about. Uh, that's, um, that's six or so games that the Eagles are going to have to play the Cowboys. And if they do go defeated, oh, and six, that's going to feel like 10 years, T. It's going to feel like 10 years until this team needs a change. And I'm saying you can, we can look at how the Cowboys are in a bad situation, but what really matters is what they do with the situation that they have currently uh, with the players, Dak Prescott locking it in. And if the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl, and then they make it to the Super Bowl again, or they make it almost there, it was all worth it in a way. Um, you saw yeah. the Eagles. And look, yeah. Tanner, real quick, let me interrupt you real quick. Look at around the NFC. Russell Wilson wants to leave Seattle Seahawks. Drew Brees probably done in New Orleans. They they have taken a step back. Aaron Rodgers rumored to leave Green Bay. I don't think he will, but yeah, again, still will. Jordan Love possibly there to take over soon. There really isn't too many. I mean, listen, the Rams, of course, very solid team. Tampa Bay, you gotta you gotta still worry about. Yeah, uh, we, we'll see how many years Tom Brady has left, but. I mean, you're looking three years down the road. The, this could be sitting on a silver platter for the Cowboys to take. So, look, I, I, I hear 
I agree with you. The Dallas Cowboys are probably going to take the division for the next couple of years, but they still have to go through the conference, and they're not going to make it through the conference. They're they're not. I don't see them making it through the conference. It remains to be seen. I think there's a lot of talk, and again, from an Eagles standpoint, I wish we had the money to sign Kenny Galladay to wrap up that point, but Allen Robinson as well, of course, I wish, I wish, but that's all we can do right now as Eagles fans is wish, and of course, as the draft approaches, we'll continue to give our opinions on who we think the Eagles should draft, and with that being said, I want to touch on what happened over this past weekend, NBA All-Star Game, and wrap up on this point as the last topic of the day, and and just talk about uh, how how the three-point contest went down, the skills competition, now, I've been back and forth over my 21 years on this planet, this all-star game. Some years I hate it. And then last year they changed it, and I think I liked it because Embiid had that dream shake on LeBron. Let's be honest, that was pretty crazy. Uh, so I'll remember that play for a while. But I hate you. then they changed the fourth quarter up. You know, They have to get to a benchmark, and it's all for charity, so they played defense kind of there in the fourth quarter. So when you look at the skills competition and, and the all-star weekend as a whole, I know it was weird because of covid having the slam dunk contest at halftime was a little ridiculous considering it went very long. And, and again, the, the, the third quarter, uh, you know, went very long as well. I believe I was, I was sitting there it's watching stupid. it. I flipped it off for a little bit. I come back on thinking, you know, they will be in the fourth quarter. There's still like 10 minutes left in the third. Like about well, the dunk contest must've taken like 45 minutes. But uh, when you think about the all-star weekend as a whole, uh, what are your opinions on it? Obviously I think with COVID see, I know you want to mention about they shouldn't have played it, no. but when you think of when you take a step back, being able to digest it a couple of days later, where are your thoughts lie on on it as a whole? Well, first off, like I said, I, I like you said, I, I don't think it should have been played. And also considering where they played it at, and considering Georgia, you know, kind of a little bit lifting their mass mandates with this pandemic still going on. I, I just don't think it was a good idea. You got guys traveling from all over to one location in Atlanta, Georgia. And like traveling in itself is dangerous. We seen with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, what happened to them? Shoot. They want to get shape hopes. They go to their barber. They got to be quarantined for contact. Now, of course I I don't have a problem with them not playing, of course, but like things like that could have happened. Oh, by the way, I don't know who they barber is. When I found out who he is straight up, I'm boots to asses, man. You almost gave my best players COVID. Have you lost your mind? That that's besides the point. We'll get, we'll talk about that later, but it, it just wasn't a good idea. It wasn't a good product to begin with. All right, who the hell was in the duck contest? Who the hell was in? The, can any can any can any one of us name besides the winner? Can any one of us name any player that really participated in the damn duck contest? Let's be honest here. The, the, the whole the whole weekend sucked. It it truly did. Yeah. Well, I can name another guy, Obi Toppin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I listen. The All Star Weekend turned into All Star Sunday. Um, and it, it seemed very crammed. Now, of course, the message being portrayed uh, went over well. Historically, black colleges, uh, the money going forward to them. They cool. had some alumni uh, watching the game and everything. And from that standpoint, it was successful. And I always look at the NBA All-Star Weekend as the most successful out of the Pro Bowl. Uh, baseball All-Star Game um, isn't what it used to be. Um, and then you go to hockey, too, where – I enjoy watching the skills challenge of three point, the dunk competition, except for this year, it was very boring. Um, and it wasn't too impressive personally. And obviously I'm not going over there and dunking over 
men, grown men. I'm not, but I'm saying maybe we've been spoiled the past couple of years. Now there was only three contestants this year as well. Um, Anthony Simons fails to kiss the rim, but still wins uh, the contest. And then you go to the skills challenge, which was prior, which was the first out of three. Um, you, you see the big men kind of rule over it. Luca comes out in his warm-up jacket and just jogs through uh, the, the challenge. And that wasn't impressive. So, so, so bonus, he wins that. And then Steph Curry, which is really the highlight of the night was three point shooting in general, but you go to the contest, Steph Curry gets the record amount. Um, and then you go to the game and, and it's Dame and Steph too. So I think it, it was, it was successful in the fact that it kept fans intrigued, but Max, you mentioned that third long quarter and, and it took a while for the game to wrap up and T just to talk about the Eagles or the, the Sixers, sorry. And, and uh, give it to Max. Now, at first, I thought this was fake. Like, it, it was so that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons didn't have to play in the All-Star game. I thought the Sixers kind of pulled back Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I didn't know if it was a real story that they were out for contact tracing. I thought it was more of a safe step by the Sixers organization. Now, I don't know if that, that's to be proved or not, but that's just the way I'm glad that they did not play, and I'm glad Joel Embiid did not play and get hurt. Two things here real quick before we wrap up. Steph Curry made the All-Star night. The three-point shooting was absolutely ridiculous. And then he steps into the All-Star game and starts shooting from half court like it's nothing. And you look at Damian Lillard as well. I mean, this guy just pulls up and knocks down a three. My whole point about this is, and we'll continue this conversation another time, but the four-point line that's possibly going to be implemented because of these guys, it could be coming in a couple of years. And a lot it's of people ridiculous. were against me on that. It would change a lot of the recruiting. It would change a lot of the draft prospects. But when you got two guys coming down – stepping over half court and just shooting it. And I'm not talking about a half court prayer here that they're heaving. I'm talking about these, they're in their driveway from 12 feet away, shooting it like it's like it's nothing and it's going in every single time. Absolutely crazy. And the last thing, Doc Rivers, man, what a trooper. I'm sure he wants to, you know, go golfing down there in the beach in Miami or something, enjoy his couple days. But no, he's, he's there, you know, he's there in Atlanta coaching these guys. I thought it was pretty I, – I laughed out loud when I actually listened in or how they had like the listen in mics. I mean, what do you say? Like, get out there and uh, do well, do your job. <laughs> what are you, you going to say to 12 All-Stars, you know? So, uh, shout-out Doc Rivers. I'm sure he misses Joe Alameda and Ben Simmons out there. But um, it was still a fun a fun little game, I guess. I wish it was closer because it would have been more intense. But the three-point contest, I agree, Tanner, definitely was the highlight of the night. And on that note, T, let's shut it down. And that was a sorry-ass event. All right, y'all. Philly Dash Experience. Simplecast.com. That's where you can find all the episodes. Also available on Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Yeah, it, that was a sorry-ass. Yeah, hate that competition. What the hell is going on? Andrew McClutchin. <laughs> he pisses me off. You piece of Swiss cheese!